This is episode number 136, coming out of living in crisis mode and learning to prioritize yourself again with Anissa Goshi. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make two brief announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners for an upcoming call we'll be having this Saturday called Courageous Conversation. This is a weekly discussion where we gather together and discuss a topic that matters most to our lives. If you would like to know more information on how to join these one-hour sessions that happen every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, go ahead and leave us a message through our website, and we'll be more than happy to respond with all the details for how you can join those conversations. The second announcement that I would like to make is a shout-out to our review of the week, which comes from Daniela Galdi. I'm honored to have done a podcast interview with Oleg for Overcoming Odds. They're doing great work that's important for each of us. We all have struggles that we must navigate. These podcasts provide real-life examples that inform and inspire their viewers. We are not alone in our journeys, and they are much more enjoyable when we can share our examples and learn from others. Thank you so much, Daniela, for that wonderful review. If you would like to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. Now, let's get back to our show. Anissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Oleg. Such a pleasure. Absolutely. No, thank you for being a part of it. I'm glad that you and I were able to connect prior to our recording and have a conversation, which once again, probably could have lasted hours and hours upon end just due to our shared backgrounds of having lived in foreign countries and experienced the things that we've had. And learning from it ultimately gave me a chance to look at it from a, my own life at a completely different perspective and the things that I thought I knew or the different assumptions that I've made about even my own journey when it comes to a lot of those foreign places that I've been in. But before we get into kind of this theme and topic that you and I chose of what's next, which is, I think, a great question to ask ourselves during the particular time that we're experiencing, I want to give you a chance to briefly introduce yourself to the audience and asking you this rather loaded question of who are you? Um, well, so as you said, my name is Anissa, mm -hmm. and I think after having spoken together and since, you know, we've been introduced um, and have been done a lot of reflection, I'm an overcomer mm. like you and many others. Um, so, I mean, there are so many different aspects of ourselves. And as you say, it is a loaded question because, you know, it, there's just so much that we could dive into. But mm -hmm. I think at the core of it, you know, yeah, I think it goes quite well also with this beautiful 
community and podcast, you know, and idea sharing that you've created. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I'm an overcomer. And maybe we get into a bit of that as, you know, the hour goes on. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I would love to get into some of those topics. And one of the things that comes to mind was I remember there was, there were a couple experiences that you shared with me during our call that really stood out to me. And that's uh, focusing on the transitions that mm-hmm. we had to go into our within our lives to get to where we're at. So could you tell us a little bit about some of those transitions? And once again, don't feel, don't feel like you have to limit yourself to that, but more so like what were some of those big pivotal points within your life that you had to go through in order to get to where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing that I actually love in how you've structured, you know, this beautiful thing that you've created is you very clearly say to your personal success because mm-hmm. success is different for everyone and to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, some people, you know, view it in a shared way, but go about it differently. But mm-hmm. I love the fact that for you, you very clearly say it's your personal success, you know, mm-hmm. because what I find to be a success for me could be very different, you know, from others. Um, So I think there's been a number of transition points uh, for me and and in my life. Um, Two of them were very early on in life. You know, I lived in a small country. Um, I am from a a small country um, that um, not many of the time knew. And I don't know if, you know, that has changed a little bit, but essentially I'm from Albania. Um, and it's a small country that is in Southeast Europe and it's sandwiched between Greece, what used to be former Yugoslavia. Uh, so it's now Kosovo to the north and Macedonia to the northeast. And then we have Italy across on the west um, from the Adriatic. Um, mm. And the time when I was a child in Albania, it was a time of profound change, you know, tumultuous change. Uh, there was regime change from a very brutal dictatorial regime. Um, There was then, after that, a period of economic and political transition that led to a lot of civil unrest and uncertainty, um, which of course impacted all of our lives. Um, And um, that was quite, particularly as a woman, I would say as well, not that men were not impacted, but as a woman, um, it was particularly hard. And as a girl, as was the case for me back then, because we already lived in a very male-focused and dominated society. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point, at the age of 16, and I think we've had this exchange you know, on LinkedIn, but mm-hmm. um, someone came into my life via my mother, actually, um, who had taken on board this young graduate from LSE, Albanian graduate from LSE, uh, to train. Um, for three months because my mom, you know, loves sharing her knowledge, whatever knowledge she has, you know, and whatever she can, especially with the younger generation. So I think at the time she was the only one willing, you know, given all the tumultuous things that we were going through Mm. to actually take this extra (laughs) work on board. And my mom always also tried to find opportunities um, for me, you know, whether we could afford them or not. uh, It was something that we thought of afterwards. But in this case, you know, this wonderful girl, Elvira, told her about this high school in Switzerland, international high school that um, she had graduated from, that offered one scholarship a year to, you know, someone from a, you know, um, I think people use different wording now, but essentially from a underdeveloped country, Um, Mm -hmm. essentially someone from not a wealthy background, but who was, you know, doing really well academically. 
And so, of course, my mom brought this to me straight away, and then I applied, and I was very lucky to actually be accepted and be given a full scholarship um, for my last year of high school, uh, which was really ecstatic. Um, and at the age of 17, I moved to Switzerland alone with no family, knowing no one. And I was actually welcomed by an American family from Texas who um, took me in as their own daughter. Um, but do you, do you know the film um, The Fifth Element? Are you familiar with it? I think I've heard of it a couple of times. I haven't seen it myself. Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich. Um, and in this film, there's a particular scene where Mila Jovovich is a supreme being, you know, like that falls from the heavens, you know, to save the earth, essentially. And mm -hmm. there's this one scene, you know, where because she's missed thousands of years of history, she's seen with a, you know, with a chicken, eating a full chicken and tapping on the screen um, to then take in within two seconds, a thousand years of history. And so when I moved to Switzerland, which is a completely different reality, obviously I had not missed out on a thousand years of history, but my history and what I'd seen and experienced was light years away, you know, mm -hmm. from what the rest of the world, you know, experienced. So I felt like I was, you know, that person, not a supreme being, just a normal human being touching on that screen and having to learn so much, you know, um, which this family guided me through the system. The school system was like night and day with the one that I was going through up until that point. I think I mentioned to you, I was one of the last generations to go through a very Soviet style of, of teaching, you know, mm -hmm. and where it's here, it's like, well, you know, um, it's, it's up to you to even ask the questions of what you want to learn, you know, um, there is no dictation as such. And I even chose topics as broad as art history, which I knew nothing about, photography, you know, English literature and so on. Um, and then after that came London, that was the next transition point. Um, and that came with a whole load of, you know, um, challenges of its own. Again, I knew no one and I had to create everything from scratch. I had a scholarship to university and about three jobs. <laughs> so when hmm. everyone else, you know, was um, going out and having a good time, I was like, I was waking at 6 a.m. and going, you know, to one job and then to the next. And then the past, you know, um, 11, 12 years, I've had many, many different challenges, you know, from homelessness in London to being broke, you know, to then um, dealing with, you know, um, people who are close to me who are not doing well um, and uh, supporting them. So there's been a lot, <laughs> but that's a, a, a small overview. Um, that's that's the, you in a nutshell. It's, it's incredible to hear I that tried. story. <laughs> <laughs> I tried without going into too much detail. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And there are a lot of things that stood out to me that I wanted to dive deeper into. And one of those is as someone who had come into this particular country from a foreign background myself, the challenge that I think oftentimes that's maybe not discussed as much is coming to a country where let's say they don't speak your particular language is one mm -hmm. challenge. But the, mm -hmm. the thing that I've encountered during my experience is that that's not the only challenge that you're going through simultaneously. You're having to learn in probably in your case, that whole family dynamic, right? You're in Switzerland, you're part mm -hmm. of this family and you may not know the proper etiquette when it comes to I didn't how they eat or, or what it even means to have such as a, a refrigerator that has an unlimited number or amount of food or whatever yep. it may be. So all of those things are challenges. And for those that are listening, that's one of the things that I just want to emphasize is that when you come into a different country, 
learning the language is not the only obstacle that you face. It's also learning the culture, learning the family dynamic, learning how to make friends in a mm-hmm. country where people don't understand you the same way, or yep. you don't understand people the way that you did in Albania. Or they and might it, not even want to be your friend. Exactly. <laughs> it's my case exactly. in Switzerland. So, how did you how did you work through that? What how did you develop friends in, in Switzerland to begin with? So I was very close from the beginning with Susan, who was the mother of the family, this fantastic woman, you know, mm-hmm. who also happened to be the head of the parent teacher organization of the school. Um, and she literally held my hand um through everything. Um I I mean, at the time Albania didn't have the best kind of image, you know, and also um, Albania and Kosovo together, because obviously in Kosovo you have ethnic Albanians and uh, the war had also just happened in Kosovo and there was a lot of refugees, you know, that had fled mostly, you know, to neighboring countries like Albania, but Uh, a lot of them to Switzerland to this day and then to other countries and now of course you hear success stories like Dua Lipa and Rita Ora and you know so many others you know playing for the Swiss teams you know and winning in European championships and so on but at the time you know um, it wasn't the case and also I didn't come from the same financial background as 99% of the people I went to school with you know so I also didn't have the financial means to go out and do the things that they did, you know? Um, so Susan was just absolutely, without her, I, yeah, I don't know what I would have done. You know, obviously it was daunting to go into a, a nuclear family, you know, it was mm-hmm. her, her husband and Kate, um, their amazing daughter. Um, and they saved me, you know, it was my saving grace really. Um, and so little by little, there was one girl who gave me a chance who we're still in touch and she actually lives in London now. Um, and by the end of the year, there was someone else, but it was very, I don't think I had, I don't recognize that period in my life as having friends mm-hmm. and to know how, you know, warm I am by nature and how, you know, I love, you know, uh, talking to people and meeting people and learning about people. Uh, but that was a very, very lonely time. Um, and it continued to be like that for a few years after also in London, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, but then you just persevere, you know, um, yeah, I listened to your way. podcast by, uh, sorry, to your TED, uh, TEDx talk, by the way, which was amazing. And you said, you know, four things you said, be resourceful, uh, envision a better day, uh, believe in yourself and become of something bigger. Um, and I guess without realizing I was being resourceful, I was still trying to somehow, you know, uh, hold on to myself and believe that there's got to be people who will want to spend time with me eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I am striving for better days. That's why I'm hanging on there. You know, it's about being a fighter. And I think that's what I did. Uh, I've had the chance to think about this in the past few days, preparing for this conversation of ours. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, uh, but no, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that many friends um, at all. Um, and mm-hmm. the ama- you know, was the other amazing thing that happened? Um, when I came back from working in Austria two and a half years ago, uh, back to London, where I live now, um, someone who I'd gone to high school with had got in touch with me a year before I moved to Austria saying, you know, I hear that you do quite a lot of work with Syrian refugees. I'd love to know how I can support, how I can volunteer, you know. Um, and so if you want to meet for a coffee, that'd be great. And I said, yes, absolutely. And then we never got around to it. Um, and so I got in touch with her straight away when I came back. And she replied straight away and said, please, said, I'd love for you to come over for lunch. I live you know, here, X place next to this station. 
So I replied to her straight away and I said, no, 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 no. I said, you don't live right next to the station because I live right next to the station. Hmm. So we met, we never spoke, we were never friends. But 15 years ago or 16 years ago, we went to the same high school. We lost touch completely, never kept touch. And 16 years later, we found each other next door neighbors in London of all the places in a huge city like London. So that's been a very beautiful outcome of that dark time. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that you mentioned within that story that are worthwhile noting again. First one is taking chances on people. I'm a huge believer of that. And when it comes to the different chances, one of the things that I actively choose to challenge myself with is this, is it's not only about the second chance, but it's also about the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth chance. The unlimited number number of chances that we can give to the individual to learn. And I think that's the beautiful thing about life in general is the more spaces that we can create for other people to learn the lessons that they had to learn, the better off they are as far as being a contribution to the rest of the society. I'm a huge believer that the best form of apologies change behavior. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that, there's no time limit on that. It may take you 10 times to ultimately learn that lesson. In fact, it probably does. In my case, there have been things that took me (laughs) Me six, seven, (laughs) ten times to get it as far as, oh, I understand. And it's not because you're not taking that person's advice or feedback for what it is. It's just that you're not understanding it from the level of, from the point that you have to understand it in order for you to for, for all of that to become implementable steps that you can choose. So I think that was one thing that stood out to me from your story is taking chances on people. The other thing and the other question that I wanted to explore with you is there's so much within your story when it comes to facing obstacle, but finding a way to persevere, finding a way to keep going. One of those circumstances and events that you shared that I'm very curious to know is because that's something that I experienced myself not on um not as far as years or the duration of it but maybe just days or instances of it and it is uh, homelessness mm-hmm. and i'm curious to know from your perspective when you became homeless what changed um before i go into that with you and it's actually something that i've rarely spoken about um, mm-hmm like very little. Um, but just to add on to what you said earlier about the observations, I completely mm-hmm. agree with about learning and giving chances. The other thing that we never quite know is the extent of what or to what someone is going through something, you know, mm-hmm. um, and how much of a shared experience it might be having in a different way um, that you are unaware of. Because since I've connected with this, what has become a very dear friend of mine, like a sister to me, mm-hmm. I found out of, you know, how much of a hard time she had at that high school, you know? Um, and obviously, you know, I didn't know that at the time also because I was not given a chance to find out, but at the same time, uh, because I was going through my own deep struggles, you know, and on first you know, encounter on first image, everyone else seemed or felt far better off than I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And so going through our experience together, you know, with my friend um, has helped a lot also. It's helped a lot also bring a lot of peace and a lot of understanding and a lot of forgiveness as well. So I think, yeah, just to keep in mind that we never quite know um, 
what someone or a group of people are going through and to the mm-hmm. extent that they might be struggling at the same, and, t- same and time. Everyone's always going through something. Everyone's always. always fighting <laughs> a battle. And always. I learned that even part of that journey, however you might be communicating what you're going through or whatever the situation may be, it may not be the ultimate truth. And the reason why I believe that is because you might not have developed the language yourself to communicate what the ultimate truth is. There's always a story within exactly. a story. And so instead of blaming and shaming people for it, oh, I can't believe you made this decision or I can't believe you put me through it. It's, I think it's more so there's a level of compassion that I think we, we need to tap into as individuals. And that is understand that, hey, yes, you might be going through a challenge and I'm not going to shame you or make you feel guilty or embarrassed, but rather I'll try and meet you halfway through halfway. And that's understand what are you going through? And I'll create a space for maybe for you to share it. And then through sharing of that story, you might find elements of wisdom and lessons learned that you didn't even know existed. As long as both sides are willing to share. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and in regards to your question about homelessness, so um, I experienced it twice and uh, one was more severe than the other uh, and lasted longer than the other, which was earlier on. Um, I was about 20 years old and I um, had just come back from an internship from abroad. And um, one of the aspects of my story that I have not got into and I won't go into is the whole immigration, you know, dealing with the UK immigration system for 11 years, which mm-hmm. was a huge challenge of its own and um, required a lot of grit and tenacity and strategic thinking and a lot of money and, and so on. But so I was faced with both having to renew my visa having no job because it was the height of recession, 2008, I came back right as Lehman Brothers went down and the whole, you know, recession started. Um, And then I also had nowhere to live and all, everyone who I had met and known throughout university have moved back to their various different countries because it was a very international place. Um, So I once again found myself without a support you know, system or a network. Um, and I just had to get very creative. I never slept rough because I just could not, you know, I've slept rough out of choice for uh, fundraising <laughs> when I've fundraised, you know, for homeless charities, but I've never, so I always found creative ways to not be just in the street essentially. So for three months I had a very interesting array of accommodations and it goes back to this whole, you know, trying to think through things quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. resourcefully, you know, creatively, um, which, I mean, you know, it goes, that goes along to connect back to the question, goes along for any crisis um, Mm -hmm. that you go through. Um, And yeah, and so that was, it was a very hard time. It was a very difficult time, Um, but I got through it. And so I'm very proud of that. And um, it was the second time that I felt like, you know what, I got this shit, you know, I can do this. And that's what, sorry for swearing, uh, <laughs> just the, the emphasis. Um, so, yeah, it gave me a lot of, you know, confidence and belief in myself that I can get through things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I really put my mind to it. And if I have the inner strength to do so. Mm-hmm. What importance would you say a question such as what's next played within the life of yours in the different transitions, but also maybe also using that question as a way to help you get out of whatever the circumstances you were facing. 
I think for me personally, I live quite well in uncertainty or rather I do well in uncertainty because that's what I knew for many years of my early life. Um, it was not knowing what came next. So that doesn't daunt me. And even for example, when the current pandemic, you know, hit and when the lockdown came and everything else, like there's this, um, there's this calmness and quietness that befalls me when it comes to, you know, having to find your way through a difficult time. Um, and I don't fear it, you know, I, I start thinking a lot and I start strategizing in my head, uh, but I just take it a day at a time as well. And as it comes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, I, it's maybe my default position of comfort. Not that I want there to be, you know, crisis in my life. Uh, I've had enough of that. And, you know, um, and you learn for everything and you do, or at least you try to do better next time, you know, and to learn from how you reacted the last time. Um, but I think, you know, um, for me, there's comfort in sometimes not knowing what comes next. Yeah, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine shared this with me. I think it was three to four to maybe five years ago. And he said, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And it just made, at the time, it didn't make much sense, which is, it, it's kind of interesting, actually, how the journey of life happens, in my opinion. And that is, I, I would hear one thing at, at the particular moment. But the wisdom that comes with that saying or that phrase or that line comes days, months, years down the road. And then that's where for me, I have this light bulb moment as far as, oh, I get it now. And maybe it's because everything is just a combination of all the different experiences that help you tap into that wisdom of that initial thought. But what changed for me was that line that he shared with me. And that is just one day at a time, one step at a time. Mm -hmm. I think that's all we can ever, if we can control anything, in my opinion, that's yep. that it's just approaching the life as is instead of looking at this, Hey, I got to strategize for the next five to 10 years because part of that journey in, in reality of it all is that I don't even know if we are given that or we probably aren't actually, there's nothing guaranteed about the next five years, 10 years, exactly. as far as even the ability to be alive. So going at it from the perspective of, Hey, one day at a time, one, one step at a time makes the most sense for me. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm not encouraging, you know, the fact that, you know, have no, I hate the word plan as such, but uh, mm -hmm. have no vision for your life. Of course, vision is so important. Dreaming is so important. Dreaming is also what gets you through difficult times. You know, mm -hmm. if I hadn't had the ability to dream and at least the, um, strength and the conviction that you know i will get through this then it would have not been possible you know so mm -hmm. i just wanted to to make that clear it's not about well live a day at a time and then you know have no hope and have no uh, you know that's not it but it's combining those things together you know um having uh, just like you said you know um in your again i go back to your tedx uh become mm -hmm. of something bigger if you so wish but that's happens to be also what I believe in that um, it is about trying to impact at least even one person positively to leave one person better than you found them. That's mm -hmm. a huge, that's, that's, that's a huge contribution mm -hmm. um, that you've made. Um, so of course, all those things are important, but you know, then again, ultimately all we have is, you know, the next day, actually all we have is now. And I believe that that's true you know, wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that you mentioned when it comes to dreams, so 
I think it was a year ago or two years ago, I understood this concept. I was reading a book called Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and mm-hmm. I actually listen to a lot of his podcasts as well. And one of the things that he talks about is different ways to almost like biohack or just hack in general, like how you dream or how you do certain things. And at the time, I started to experiment with how I dream. And that is before I would go to sleep, I would pull out my journal and I would journal different thoughts that I wanted to dream about or wanting to manifest in my life. Do you do anything like that when it comes to your dreams or do you just allow them to flow freely flow through your mind? Um, it's funny that you mentioned that about dreaming because I work in a health center at the moment. Um, and with our psychotherapist right now on the mental health side of things, we uh, contributed uh, to a article for uh, the Metro, which is one of the leading morning newspapers, you know, in the UK. And it was all about, well, how to have less nightmares and less vivid dreams in this time. And we talked about priming the unconscious, you know, um, in taking some time to do some uh, deep breathing, you know, exercises before you go to bed, not consuming, um, you know, a lot of media and especially, you know, negative media at least two or three hours before you sleep. And the other thing is to then envision a dream that you have. It could be, you know, the dream of being by the beach again. It could be that you're walking, you know, you know, in, in the Amazon forest. It could be anything, you know, but something that has positive connotations that will help you, um, you know, sleep on that state of mind you know, and that will hopefully also help then your unconscious that never sleeps uh, manifested in your dreams and hopefully have less, you know, nightmares. Um, so I, I don't, I write a lot. I always have, um, especially for the past 10, 11 years, it's been my way alongside photography. It's been my way of dealing with things and, and coping. Um, it's never been dreams as such, but I know at the back of my head, like I have certain things that I want to be happening in my life. And I don't know when that will happen. Or for example, if there's a particular person that I want to collaborate with, I tend to think about that a lot. Um, not always consciously, but in small different ways. And if something happens that might give me a sign that might not even be associated at all, but somehow to me it makes sense, then I see it as mm-hmm. an encouraging sign that, okay, this is going to happen. Um, so it's not, it's not in writing as such, but it's present there in my subconscious mind. Um, and, and sometimes it takes years. Sometimes certain things don't happen or don't manifest as, as you wish. And sometimes, you know, uh, unpleasant things happen, which you then find the reason why, you know, much, much later after you go through a lot of agony, but I do, you know, um, feel, and I think I've grown up a bit now since the days when I thought everything was doom and gloom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 15 years ago <laughs> to think that there is, there's got to be a light somewhere always, you know? So no, I don't consciously write down dreams, but I, you know, keep things that I want to happen very present at the back mm-hmm. of my head. Mm-hmm. Could you share with, with us briefly some of the findings that you guys had within that article? And I, I hope I'm not putting you on a spot here to do a pop quiz that may affect your, uh, your profession moving forward if the, <laughs> if the boss listens to this. <laughs> but I, I'm curious to know as far as the impact that something like that has on your brain as far as consuming positive thoughts and positive energy and how does that impact your sleep cycle? That's one of the things that I've been curious to learn more about. Uh, so 
yeah no it doesn't I, I don't mind at all you know i'm by no means an uh, an authority or an expert you know on mm-hmm. on sleep as such but uh, i do have the the great fortune and the luck to be working um in a um a small um health center that was actually um it's a remar- that's a remarkable story in itself because it was founded by a family of iraqi refugees um, and that's a beautiful success story, you know, of overcoming as well. Mm. Um, and um, so I have the luck of working and getting a lot of knowledge from people on the physical health side of things. And then with our psychotherapists on the mental health. And I think I'm because of that, I'm realizing more and more the power of the mind. Not that I didn't know before, but, you know, even more so. And I think uh, even without the science behind it, I see it for myself and I see it with those around me. Um, I have, you know, someone in my life who, when he, uh, I can tell by just walking in the door that if he's been consuming negative media or if there's been a lot of, you know, agitation, anxiety, you know, because of um, COVID related news, you know, it ends up in a panic attack, you know. Um, So if there's no balance between the negative and the positive and the factual, our mind goes in override and our subconscious mind doesn't sleep. You know, when we go to sleep, our conscious mind sleeps, but our subconscious doesn't. So all of that information that's been stored in our subconscious mind, then it's a field day over six to eight hours and it starts playing, you know, playing out in the form of dreams. Um, so feeding it with positive, not just positivity, but optimism as well, feeding it with good stories, feeding it with, you know, as you say, with dreams as well, positive dreams, you know, happy dreams uh, really helps um, reduce the anxiety of the subconscious mind, because otherwise it runs as a child, um, mm. a child with too many sweets, mm-hmm. you know, right before bedtime. Um, so um, because, you know, all of those things are controlled by the subconscious mind, um, how you feed it subconsciously is then what you get in your dream state. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, such an important point to understand is that it's always been influenced at any given moment, even during our sleep. Yep. And, and that's the thing that I think sometimes I didn't understand as well is that I used to think that, well, it's only influenced during the time that I'm actually conscious or awake. But really, it's also influenced probably even to a greater degree when you're sleeping because your brain is processing information at a significantly faster rate. I mean, it no longer yeah. has the distractions of the phone or whatever else that we put in our path of consuming and processing the information. So I, I never thought about it until now that in your sleep, the information and how you process it, processing it is not only happening so much faster, but maybe it even has a greater impact on the person that you do become moving forward totally and also in your waking state like as our psychotherapist would say you know there are two three parts to your ego state essentially there's the adult within you there's the parent within you and there's a child within you you know and say you're working from home most people are working from home more and more at the moment even those who may have not done so in the past and you know say well you know that for three or four hours you need to sit down and get this and that done you know and you have a to-do list and however you work, you know, and you structure your day, but then, and that's the adult within you, you know? Um, 
but then again, the child then comes up and says, well, actually, you know, it's not, it's sunny outside. I'd like to go in the balcony, you know, and sit there and just, you know, soak the sunshine or, you know, turn on the, um, the TV and watch some Netflix, you know, or have a bit of a play and play is hugely important, but mm-hmm. it's to know when to allow the child within you to come out and when to then run it in and be like, right, but you know, I do have the deadline for tomorrow. So I need to sit down now. And, you know, so you parent yourself, you know, to become an adult again. And I think that's fascinating. Um, and it's something that I've been learned, reading a lot on more and more. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how all three of those are always within us, right? Yes. And there's At no, all times. and there's no, I think like, oh, I got to get through the child phase to get to the next one. It's just like, it, you're, it's always within you at any given moment. And depending on what you're trying to make as far as the decision or the circumstance you're going through, different elements of it activate. And that's why our childhood and, you know, the, those developmental years also impact us so much. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that healing work, you know, or however, whatever, you know, everyone individually is comfortable with calling it or however they go about it, then that's why they do impact our, you know, friendships, our, you know, private and intimate relationships, our work relationships, everything, um, because those three things do exist within us. Mm-hmm. And they're always with us. And that's yes. the same that I think the the beauty of healing and kind of transforming one experience into another is I think for the longest time I used to think, oh, I just got to work through this so that I can kind of forget and almost like eliminate it out of my life. But really that thing, those elements of your past, they're always going to be with you. It just boils down to how do you choose to view it moving forward? And then which elements of that experience do you choose to carry with you and focus your time and your energy on? So if it is that moment of tragedy or adversity, whatever it may be, well, those are the things that you will see more of in your life because that's where you're channeling your energy. So there's so much that comes to, I think, in understanding wherever you put your attention and intention, those are the things that you begin to manifest more. And also because we are a some or part of us at least, because we we don't stay static, you know, but we are a sum of, you know, what we've been through. Clearly, I mean, even take this podcast, podcast, mm-hmm. you know, about overcoming. It is mm-hmm. about how you've come through, you know, certain times and challenges in your life, you know. Uh, but also, I like to think that we evolve, you know. Um, I look at it like a tree. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we are like a tree. And yes, we have roots, but roots can also be displaced. But as the tree grows and as, you know, um, leaves start to spring, you know, leaves also fall, you know, and new leaves come on, you know, and sometimes there might be flowers in the tree and sometimes there might not, you know, and I think us humans are a bit like that, like mm-hmm. a tree. Mm-hmm. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And then the, the thing that you also, you also made me think of is sometimes that tree will have apples or whatever else grown on it and sometimes it won't. Some yeah, years, there's no fruit. Exactly. Sometimes there's <laughs> no fruit at all. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a really interesting point to take away from that is that you never know what your tree may look like in the upcoming days. But the beauty of it is also choosing to live and embrace the unknown and go with yeah. it day by day. Exactly. Exactly. Final thought for today's episode, and this is something that I ask a lot of our guests that come onto the show. Mm-hmm. And the question is, who or what are you grateful for today? 
Oh, they're so in terms of people or experiences or people, both? experiences, things, or it can be a combination of both. Mm-hmm. There are so many people, and as I said, you know, I did, I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't. So of course, you know, there are Susan who I've mentioned before, and Susan and Andrew who I will be forever, you know, grateful to and give all my love to, you know, near or far, because neither of them live in Switzerland anymore; they live in two different countries. Um, so huge gratitude for them, you know, and for Elvira, for my mother, you know, uh, in particular, for having lived a very difficult life and having come through it herself, you know, and that's where I've also learned strength and I've also learned, you know, um, what mistakes not to make um, as well. Um, My father too, you know, and in learning to forgive a lot of the things that, you know, um, he may have done that were not, you know, perfect at all. And that's the work in progress. Um, I'm grateful to, you know, um, I, there are so many people um, that I can mention by name. There's Kat, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm grateful to. Um, there's um, um, Alia that I'm grateful to. There's Thomas that I'm grateful to. Um, and there's, you know, Tom that I'm grateful to. Um, but there's this one particular person um, who I met at a bank. So when I came back and uh, before I started, um, as I said, this new application uh, when I was 20, at the same time as I mentioned that I was you know, going through homelessness, I had to go to the bank uh, and get a letter that I had a certain amount of money in the bank you know, to apply for my new visa. And at the time, the system had just changed. And um, my bank in question was quite irregular about their um, regulations as to whether they would allow to be given a letter or not. And in this particular instance, this year, they were not giving any letters to say so-and-so has X amount of pounds in the bank. And there was this guy, uh, I'm just going to mention his first name, and he probably doesn't remember me, but his name Mm -hmm. is Vaughn. And he went against protocol, and he issued me this letter. And without Vaughn, I would not be here today. So I always think about Vaughn. Vaughn, who met me for five minutes, you know, impacted my life so incredibly. Because without that letter, I would have not been able to apply for the visa and everything that came after it. That's incredible. What a story as far as people given chances, right? Yeah. And he, I remember when I went back to get the envelope, he actually gave it to me under, found a way to give it to me under. You'd think that he was doing, he wasn't doing anything illegal. He was just writing that this person who's had an account for six years has X amount, but he wasn't allowed to do it and he still did it. He understood the reasons why, the gravity of the situation, and he did it. And I remember writing a letter to his manager, not uh, mentioning the reason why I was so grateful to Vaughn and why he has such an amazing you know, person in, in their team. Um, but yeah, I will never forget Vaughn. Probably I'll never meet him again. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I'm sure and if so many to your paths will cross. Yes, one way or another, I hope one day, but it hasn't happened so far. Um, mm-hmm. And without wanting to leave any, but there are so many people who I'm grateful to. And also, you know, the I am grateful to the challenges as well. I would mm-hmm. not be who I am without them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also to people like Kelly, who I love so much and who have the same outlook in life for travel, for indigenous cultures, you know, and for small businesses and independent businesses. There's so many, so, so many. So I'm so glad you asked that question. I appreciate I appreciate you sharing your story and your, your insights and your experiences because I think they help us understand our own and use it as a reflection that, hey, we're not alone throughout this process. We're not alone throughout this journey, that there's someone else that's walking a similar path and is taking similar steps, but is able to find ways to work through the current challenges. And 
the way that I would like to close this off is give you a chance to briefly mention how can people connect with you and what is the best way to do that? Sure. Um, yes, I agree with you completely. And the one thing that I've only realized, you know, very recently, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to take more on board is even when we're alone or we think we're alone, we still have, you know, ourselves. So I still have mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. ultimately, we should pay more attention because I'm the type of person who gets so focused on trying to do things for others, which I love doing anyway, you know, and feeling other people's feelings and taking on things and then you forget about yourself, you know, so I'm trying to learn to, you know, focus more on me. Um, I'd love to hear from anyone who'd be interested to connect. Um, LinkedIn is a great way to do that um, as well. Um, and yeah, so it's just Anissa Goshi, drop me a line. It'd be a pleasure to, to talk. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of our latest content each and every single week. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Google, or Facebook so these messages can reach more people around the world. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.